brand. Is that a Coca-Cola you're drinking? Oh, only. Only, my dear. Holy <laughs> day, of course. So, yeah. No, it's Jack Daniels. Ah, oh, see, this is the new Holy Communion. It's a little bit of Coke and a little bit of Jack Daniels. That's right, exactly. This is my blood. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Patience, what I've found incredibly fascinating, you've interjected all these comments about what the fuck is this? What was that all about? You got the complete outsider and then sort of me looking back into it again. And it's what the fuck from both angles. Yeah. Yeah. If you can't laugh at this horse shit, <laughs> it's not helping. That's true. It's always been my way of dealing with trauma anyway is to just laugh about it. There's a serious side to it, but you can shine it up and help it fit a bit better if you laugh at it. Thanks for having me on. I'm yeah. fucking chuffed. I really am. I'm just, <laughs> this is, you guys are doing a great thing. It's going to grow. We've got our episode name already, Fucking Chuffed. <laughs> fucking Chuffed, it's going to grow. Well, I was actually, yeah. I think maybe you should call it I'm wearing my magic hat. Yes. Is there a magic hat? No, no. Yeah, I'm wearing my magic hat. Can't you fucking see it? Uh, <laughs> Grow hair now, ask me how. Yeah, so sorry, Patience Spratt and his daughter are doing a thing, funny baldness-related T-shirts. I just read his shirt before and had a giggle to myself. Well, hello, brothers and sisters around the world, and welcome to yet another episode of the Book of Boredom podcast with me, Brother Paul, and, of course, as always, my eternal concubine, Sister Patience. Hey, you know, sister patience. Sexy as usual. Yeah. What yeah. about you? Uh, not as sexy as usual today, but working on it. Aww. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and everyone listening at home is making the same sound. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be fine. Now, we have ourselves another special guest this evening, and we may as well just get straight into chat with him. Very glad to have him on, actually. Someone who I've known for over 20 years. Someone else who I was in the church with back home in Brisbane. Very happy to have him on with us this week. Everybody say hello to Brother Brent. Hey, Brother Brent. Hey, just call me Harry if you want. That's fine. Hey, Harry. Brother Harry. <laughs> How'd you get all that hair, Harry? Just good gospel living. Yeah. yeah. Testosterone. Overload. Yeah. I see what you did there. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry, patience. You're in the middle of a sausage fest this evening. It's <laughs> oh, a story of my life, Paul. You know, I wrote a song called Too Many Dicks in the Chat Room once, and I feel like it's happening again. Well, maybe you should do a remix called Too Many Dicks in the Chapel. <laughs> That works. Can I star you on the track, Brent? Sure. Brent is actually a DJ as well, so you oh, can maybe nice. lay down some backing tracks for it. We got ourselves a new theme song. I love it. Too many dicks <laughs> in the chapel. We'll write that down. We'll make that happen. <laughs> Add it to the list of massive ideas that we have. Going in the list now. Where are you talking to us from, Harry? My home, so just in Brisbane. We're talking via the internet, Urim and Thummim, of course. <laughs> And I've got the magic hat, so we're all good. We're all covered. we got it going. The magic hat that no one can see. Do you know about the magic hat, Patience? The one that Joseph Smith pulled Book of Mormon out of his ass with. Can you imagine the smell? I mean, fuck. <laughs> Back in those days too, right, bald was not in fashion. You know, they all tried to keep their hair. There'd be a bit of fucking funk going on in that hat. They probably didn't shower as much either. I don't know whether he ever actually wore the hat or whether it was exclusively for containing the stone. So did God give him a special hat? Like it just came down and it was like, here's your hat. That's the thing. Like we know the stones he had in there he had before he made up the Book of Mormon story. They obviously didn't come from God. So the hat, I mean, I don't know, maybe he got it at a secondhand store. That's what I'm saying. Like who the fuck's hat was it? Yeah, where did he buy it from? Well, he probably just stole it. Yeah, yeah, probably. Picked it up somewhere along the line. 
one. Anyways, we'll ask Joseph Smith when we have him on. Put that down for questions to ask. Where did the hat come from? I'll put that down. Great question for Jojo. So anyway, Harry, I mentioned that we've known each other quite a while. We met in the early 90s, I believe. That'd be about right, yep. So far, all the guests we've had on pretty much grew up in the church, but you converted as an adult, which gives us a whole different perspective. Yep. <laughs> so I guess the first question is, what was it about? You guys are already laughing at me. That's great. I like no, that. I'm just interested. That just does wonders for my healing. That's, thank you. <laughs> What was it about this church that made you think, hey, this sounds like a good idea? And before you answer, I have a theory that I've been developing since I heard about this. Because you said that you are already married. I bet you it was really your wife's idea at the time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. In fairness, we were kind of looking for a church. One night I came home from work. My wife said to me, look, I've been having the Mormons around. And I'm like, what? The Mormons? Okay. She said to me, over the course of a week or two, we've been discussing it. She kept having the discussions. I'm sure you know what they are now, patients. I think I might have even had some of the discussions. For those listening at home who don't know the discussions is when the missionaries come over and give you their sales pitch. It's not just a single sales pitch. They do five or six and each time kind of get you to read the Book of Mormon or commit to doing this, commit to doing that until eventually they hopefully get you to agree to be baptized. Close the sale for Jesus. Ching for Jeebus. Yeah, yeah, close the sale. <laughs> yes, that's it. Uh, she said to me, look, I've been having them around. And then a little while later, she said, I'm actually going to join this church. We had a pretty good relationship. This is going to sound like she was manipulating, but she wasn't because she wasn't that type of person. But she said to me, look, I really think this church is important to me. I'm going to join it. I'd really like you to find out about it. I had the discussions and within like eight days, I was a convert. Wow. <laughs> See, in my own mind, look, I was looking for a church. I thought I needed a church. Yeah. So obviously it was, for want of a better term, perfect storm. That's how we ended up joining the church. So my daughter's now 32. She was about four or five at the time. So I think I was about 22. My ex-wife, she was five or six years older than me. So you like the older ladies, don't you, Brent? Well, I think they like me. Ah, uh, well, how could they not? Look at him. <laughs> I felt it was a very conscious decision to join. But looking back on it now, I can see that my reasons for doing so were probably a bit amiss. What was it about the church that that appealed to you? Like you said you were looking for a church. What about Mormonism got to your attention? This is going to sound really weird. But to some degree, it kind of made sense for me at the time. I got a good feeling about it. Looking back now, I realise... Most of it I just don't even resonate with anymore. Paul, actually what I was looking for was something to kind of guide me, right? Because I felt like I couldn't guide myself, just wanted to do a better job as a a father and a husband or, or whatever it was. And keep in mind, it only took me a week to decide to join. It's not like I pulled this thing apart as someone that had had 40 or 50 years on the planet. You were what they call the golden convert. Oh, mate, we were the golden convert family. We were like, both wanted to join. We had a good marriage. We had a young girl who was going to be baptised. She was going to be at baptism age within a few years. Mate, we were like on the money. Yeah, yeah. the missionaries were like high-fiving and they would have been writing a home event, this amazing golden convert family we found. I can uh, only imagine. And I mean, I got fucking told that over subsequent times. over the few years. Well, from the other side, I remember there was always a buzz when new convert families came into the ward we were in. You know, it's like, oh, there's these 
wonderful couple, Joe and Jane, and oh, they're wonderful, they're young, and you know, we've got potential future leaders and families, and everyone's all excited, like, oh, come and meet the new convert family, make them feel at home. Did you experience that? Did you feel welcomed and, and, and warmed? 100%. And look, I know regardless of what's transpired since that time, your father being the bishop at the time, I still look up to him. Even looking back on how he handled that whole thing, I know he's got issues around all this and with many people, but honestly, you know, he did not wrangle us. He was just being a nice man. Paul's family is just a really lovely family and his dad is a great guy. <laughs> honestly, your family were very special to us. Honestly, mate, your father was nothing but kind to me and I've got a very soft spot for your father and your mum. We got to meet a lot of great people and, of course, that helps to add the feeling. And, look, in fairness... I know that these people are still caught up in this dogmatic rubbish. However, there's a lot of good, intelligent people in that church. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know. This is what I've had to come to believe. It's not about intelligence. It's something else. It's not. It's just belief. So anyone that's a decent human being that's in that church, I still got a lot of respect for. Those that aren't in the doctrine of the church, I've got a very hard spot for. That could have been worded a bit better, couldn't it, Brent? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I should keep it clean. Come on. Hey, if if you were sort of in a place where you were looking for a church, I'm guessing that you and your wife must have been some denomination of Christian either growing up or before this. I was Anglican and she was Catholic. Oh, wow. That's quite a mix, isn't it? We're both non-practicing. Let's get into then your church experience. You did pretty much everything, didn't you? I always like to ask this on the temple. What were your thoughts when you started going through that? For me, I remember going in there even though I was hardcore Mormon. When I was in there going, hey, this doesn't feel right. Something's not right here. What was your experience going? through that at the time i thought it was something important and significant so i placed value on it although because shit you dress up in i just thought what the fuck yeah yeah the first time i saw those i was like what the fuck i'm gonna be completely transparent at the time i was indoctrinated the temple to me was like a mecca i'm like i'm gonna do what we have to do hey i'm a systems guy right so give me a system, I'll follow it, right? It was kind of, I guess, some cognitive dissonance. Even when I was in the church, like I still found it nice to go to other churches and just sit in. I think that where you're sitting can provide a sense of reverence. It's like when we go to nature. Overall, I actually found the temple attached to a sense of reverence. And then I thought, oh, it's reverent here. It's of God. I did find some of it a bit weird. You know, I wrote that off. When you first heard this Joseph Smith thing, was there ever any point where you were like, this sounds weird? or did it all sort of sound believable right off the bat? It sounded believable at the time, but if I was to enter into that now, there's no fucking way I'd believe it. My whole view on God has completely changed, even if there is one. I don't actually really care if there is one. I guess you could call me a humanist now. I guess at the time, mate, yeah, I bought it. Eight days, I was like, I'm ready to get baptised. Let's go. I did have what I thought was a spiritual experience confirming the truth of it. Did you have the burning in your bosom? <laughs> I did, but, mate, I've had that on ecstasy, right? <laughs> it's just a state of mind. I've had that meditating. You know, I've had that spiritual experience many different ways since. But at the time, I was like, wow, never experienced this before. It must be true. Yeah, and that's one of the ways they sort of get you in is they just convince you any good feeling you have when you pray or read the Book of Mormon is the spirit. You can't have the exact same feeling doing other activities, as you were saying. I never really had that again. God's like, I'll give you this once, bro. You're in this pyramid scheme forever now. I made your tits go on fire for a bit, so now you're all mine, motherfucker. Here's one good fuck and you're mine. Right up the fucking rim tickler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God does have a monster dick. Ew! <laughs> 
I guess he must. He's pretty big. I, I think he can change himself according to your personal pleasure, you know. If, if you want the big dick, he'll, he'll be big. If, oh. if you prefer it a bit smaller, he'll be smaller. Or I reckon he can even invert it into a mangina if that's your thing. <laughs> the good thing is, too, is he counsels us to yield to the spirit, right? So we're like a vaginas. We're just big cunts, basically. We're just like mould to the shape and size, right? He can fuck us all he wants. Oh, God, silly putty. <laughs> the parable of the silly putty. We talk about parables. That's probably the best parable there is. <laughs> silly putty and the divine rod. There we go. Tell us about your um, getting out story. What caused you to start questioning it and how did you sort of come to the conclusion it was all bullshit? That took a really long time. Uh, okay, so my marriage broke up. My wife asked me to leave because she decided that the marriage wasn't right for her anymore. Like, obviously, I prayed more and all this sort of stuff to kind of, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. If your marriage is failing, you need God to help you. What happened was when she decided the marriage was going to end, not long after that, she left the church, which is quite ironic because she was the one that brought us in in the first place in a way. Maybe she looked at you and like, he's too into it. Oh, my God, this is what happens. I've wondered about that, but in saying that, we were in it for 10 years. I think she could have worked that out after maybe one or two. Yeah, yeah. Like, fuck, she's not a silly person, right? No. But she was probably caught up in it too. The bottom line is the marriage broke up. I was stalwart still for about 18 months or so. I had a couple of really good friends in the church that were amazing support and not in a dogmatic way. I'm just talking about friendly way. But over the course of a couple of years, I got lonely and I was looking for a relationship and we wanted to party. And then my church just fell away. Interestingly enough, after that, and I tried to rebuild my life, I thought, oh, I need the church again. I'm going to go back. You know, I look back on it now and I was like, oh, I'm going to be the fucking golden the return. I've just been watching The Matrix, right? Cypher is talking to Neo when he first arrives on the Nebuchadnezzar and he goes, so what did Morpheus tell you? And he tells him and Cypher just goes, what a fucking mind job. And that's the way I was going to go back to church and get my life back on track and all this sort of stuff. Before that, it was like five or six years of partying and like doing all sorts of shit. That's how I left the church. I actually got excommunicated only after about like 18 months or so. Oh, and I didn't actually remember you going back for a period. I just remember you leaving the first time. So that's interesting. Mate, I didn't make much of an effort. I think I went twice and, you know, the missionaries came around and CBF. Looking back now, let's have some fun. What were some of the crazier elements of the church now that have you really thinking, what the fuck was that? <laughs> well... The thing I like about your podcast is when the reading starts, it kind of like makes you think about, you know, what your beliefs were around the scriptures at the time and how you look back on it now and go, fucking hell, oh my God, I just can't believe I believe that. Did you read the whole Book of Mormon, by the way? Probably not cover to cover, but I think I probably read the whole lot at least twice. Yeah, okay. In pieces, though. Yeah. Do you think that there's something about families after they've just had their first kid where something happens to these parents and they feel like they need to join a church? I've noticed this pattern time and time again, that when they were young, they weren't religious, they weren't too into it. Their first kid hits about two and boom. I think that people are in that zone are more ready to join a church when it's presented to them. Yeah. So it's not like the Mormons were sitting in our fucking front bushes waiting for strike. No. I just happened along at a time where we were ripe for the picking, I suppose. Do you think that that time is a right picking time? Is that something that you've noticed as well? I think there's absolute validity in what you say because I know from my own personal experience, I was like, I wanted to be a great dad. I wanted to be a great husband because I always felt I was behind the eight ball. I was a dad one month after I turned 18. Wow. 
<laughs> Looking back on it now, I see it as a massive plus. But back then, I had some hang-ups about it. I felt like I was not equipped to be a good dad and everything else. So it was big on my list to, to be that. No matter what way I tried to go about it, it was right, wrong or otherwise, I was trying to do the best I could. I think on a subconscious level, the church being presented to us, particularly when they talk about family, and they didn't extol on that more so just because of who they were in front of, but like obviously it resonated with me. So the idea of the eternal family obviously had a lot of appeal for you. Yeah, and also... So, you know, the whole promise of like, if you follow the gospel and everything else, past sins are wiped clean and, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's all that nonsense as well. You also said that you're a systems guy. Tell me more about that. Oh, I just like being organized and I like structure and that sort of stuff. Ah, okay. So our religion appeals to you because of that? Yeah, I, I guess it did on a, on a, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Has that reflected in your career as well? Absolutely. What do you do? Well, being a chef, it's like... Oh, you're a chef. He's a chef. I love that. You don't have to follow a recipe in the traditional sense, but once you've got an idea of how you're going to make something, you've got to do this step and then this step and then that step. There's many things around creating the meal that also come into play, like how the fucking dishes are washed, how you order the ingredients, how you put away the ingredients, how you prepare them. I systemize and structure all that. I watch an awful lot of competitive cooking shows, and I know that that's not real life, but what's your opinion of competitive cooking shows as a chef? That it's not real life. <laughs> Just like religion? Yeah. Actually, yes, that's very true. That's where we need to take this. We need to make like a reality church conversion show. Actually, yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing, man. There you go. This week on Join the Mormons. Even a set of YouTube skits that are like how people convert. You create all these amazing different characters, single people, married people, people in these stupid, ridiculous relationships, and they're going to like use the church to like correct their lives or something. God, there's just fodder there like just waiting to be done. Yeah, yeah. All right, add that to the list of ideas there, patients. <laughs> We've been brainstorming some great ideas today. I'll stick it on the list right now. We'll workshop that one, Brent. Yeah. yeah. Looking back in hindsight now, what do you think were the Mormons' weirdest beliefs or traditions or things that you did? What really gets you thinking that was weird? I'll sum it up in probably one. I just don't believe that a loving God, if there is such a thing, would put such dogmatic, hypocritical shit around our lives. He says to us in the realms of being a father, love your kids and be forgiving and everything else. And yet if we don't love him the way that he wants us to love him, he's going to send us to hell forever. To be in eternal pain, apparently the life here is like millionth of a billionth of a part of a wink of an eye. So we get to have some pleasure here, but then, oh, no, you're going to burn for the rest of eternity. Honestly, fuck off. If you need that from me as a human who apparently is all this flawed shit, you're a deity that's perfected and you've got all your emotional intelligence sorted out, all your spiritual intelligence sorted out, all your physical, metaphysical shit sorted out, and you need that from me, go get fucked. Yeah. See, the way I look at it now is the Mormon version of God. He created us all before we came to Earth. He has a plan for all of us. He sends us down here and he knows before we come here whether or not we're going to return to it because he made us in a way so that we will make decisions during life to fulfill his plan. And then he punishes us for doing the exact thing that he created us to do. It's like, that's not a just loving God. It's like being in a Saw movie or something. God's just sitting back there going, let's see how much this guy can fuck himself 
myself up. This is going to be fun. God knew I was going to leave the church and be an atheist before I came here because that's his plan for me. So really, I'm just living his plan. We must be going to heaven then because we're doing exactly what he made us to do. You're just living his plan. That's right. The other things were probably like, I've never considered myself a sexist or anything else, but I just think that I was kind of buying into some doctrine there. Funny, I was listening to your last podcast. I was reflecting on how I've never viewed women as inferior to me. I wondered why women were just like not equal in the church. I don't think I even really enacted that in my own life, to be honest. Yeah, so there's all that. I just dogmatic stuff that is destructive. My view is, even though a lot of people carry on about doom and gloom in the world, I think the world is progressing quite well. Apparently, we live in one of the safest eras of time ever, like recorded history. Stephen Pinker thinks so. We've all seen the Stephen Pinker video, yeah. There's a scientist called Stephen Pinker. I don't know if you've seen the video I've shared on Facebook. But yeah, his whole thing is when you look at the last 30 years or so, there's less wars, less people dying from wars, less people dying from homicide. That's one of the ways Mormons try to keep you in, is they teach you that only good is in the church. Outside of the church, the world is big, bad and evil. You won't be properly happy unless you're in the church and living the gospel. And that was one of the things I realized when I got out. I was like, fuck, I'm happier <laughs> outside of the church than I was in it. That's what I discovered too. I mean, probably not initially. It took me a few years. It actually took me a few years. I had a lot of guilt around like leaving the church. I thought I was a failure, blah, 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 blah. I do realize now that this comes up in people that leave cults. I must have been in a couple. Maybe there's no difference between a religion and a cult. The difference between a religion and cult is tax exempt status. <laughs> Yeah. At the top of all of them, whether it's religion or a cult, there's someone who knows it's bullshit but keeps going forward with it anyway. Brent, I've got a question for you. You know that spiritual experience that seems to be something you respond to. You sit in a church and you feel something. And I think a lot of people do. If that's something that you respond to, I'm wondering if also the social side of Mormonism is something you responded to too. Because it's something that I noticed a lot. When I would hang out with Paul and his family, they felt integrated with each other. They felt connected and friendly. And it was a big family. If you're the only child and you then experience all of these people, it can feel amazing for a little while at least. Do you think that was something that really drew you in? Absolutely, 100%. Look, I think people just be social and then they apply spiritual context in their life. They meld together. So like, I don't think people were like trying to manipulate me. I, I think the social aspect was very attractive. And I'm sure there's far more genuine motives in this area than not in the church. But the social aspect was very prominent. And it was something that was attractive to us. And we felt loved, particularly from people like the Browns. That wasn't unreal. You would have been loved. There was people there that were special to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's part of the human condition, though. We are social creatures. We do have that need for family and, and connection and it's something that a lot of religions kind of use you know it's like i remember actually as a missionary again this is how fucked up it was specifically look for people who were in need of that social connection whether it be single mothers who were struggling or people who'd recently lost a loved one or they were the prime fruit for us to go and pick you know because they had that yearning for making up for something that they lost so in a lot of ways <laughs> missionaries are told to target those people as well as families yeah you know looking for those whose hearts have been prepared and need that social interaction. So a lot of people that get baptised, you find, especially the ones that don't stick around for long, they were feeling lonely and left out and just wanted that connection, but 
then shortly after getting to the church, like, oh, this isn't quite the social interaction I wanted. Definitely something that the church likes to prey on. You had some good friends in the church. I don't have many church friends left. I've got a few. There are some people that have been lifelong friends from the church one way or the other. And then I've got my ex-Mormon friends now as well, where we shared the collective experience. And, you know, even getting out of the church can bring that bonding together. A lot of good ex-Mormons out there that are very helpful and supportive. For a lot of people, when they get out of the church, there is a lot of PTSD and difficulty and adjusting to this different life and different world. So it's good to have that support network there. Uh, You said you were a DJ. Did that start before you joined Mormonism? Well, the interest in it did, but I actually didn't buy my first set of turntables until not long before I left the church. Yeah, he does trance music stuff and that. It's pretty cool. I've done a couple of gigs that I put on and literally only a couple. And I've done house parties and stuff when I was going through my party stage. It was great playing at house parties and shit like that. Yeah, it's just a hobby of mine. Yeah, I love it. All right. Well, should we get into reading this goddamn book together then, hey, and see where that takes us? So are you drinking something else now, are you? (laughs) Just soda water now, he's been good. The last episode I recorded with Paul, he was drinking something. It was vodka. He was incoherent. (laughs) Which is why tonight I'm just on water, I'm behaving myself. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Like I suggested, you can always drink something that Mormonism considers evil, like tea. Yeah, coffee. (laughs) Yeah, they carry on about not having tea, alcohol, coffee, all this stuff. And yet every fucking thing you go to, man, it's like all these fizzy fucking sugar soft drinks and fucking sugary foods and fatty shit fucking food. They are the most unhealthy. They're supposed to have this word of wisdom and they and they all satisfy. I put on like 30 fucking kilos in the first two years after I joined the church because I quit smoking and I quit smoking pot and all I fucking did was fucking eat, right? <laughs> And I'm a chef, man. I can eat as much as I fucking want it. Uh, actually, credit where it's due, one thing Mormons can do well is a food get-together. But it ain't healthy. <laughs> Pretty much any get-together involved, everybody bringing a shitload of food. And, yeah, nobody went home hungry, I'll give them that. I remember some of those spreads, and now what I know about food and nutrition, there's no fucking way I'm eating that. Like, not not necessarily the stuff people cook, but, like, there'd be all the chips, the cheesels, the fucking all this shit, like chocolate, and, like, oh, we're not drinking alcohol, but we shovel this fucking shit down our throat all fucking day. <laughs> <laughs> Diabetes, yay! And there was always the magic punch bowl, which is basically just a whole bunch of different soft drinks oh, kind of poured in and gross. mixed together. <laughs> <laughs> magic punch bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. You weren't exactly sure what they mixed into the punch bowl, but yeah, you just drank it and it was good. And then uh, you, you had that big sugar rush. <laughs> that was the drink that Smitty drank to inspire the Book of Mormon. That, that's the irony is that he drank wine and coffee. <laughs> he was known for loving some wine. Yeah, the same guy who brought in the word of wisdom that says don't drink alcohol was drunk quite often, good old Joe. Yeah, right. Incredible. You don't just get a magic hat out of anywhere, mate. <laughs> <And that's, laughs> yes, uh, when, when he said he was full of the Holy Spirit, he was full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit, and he tried to put his spirit into a lot of holes. Yes, he did. <laughs> that he did, yes. His divine rod went forth. From his pants. And yes. From his girded loins. Yes. And his descendants are now running the church, apparently. There's a reason why he always talked about loins and swords and rods. You know what the guy's mind was on? Testosterone. Every hole's a goal, I think, to Joey. <laughs> well, if you think about it, the word holy has already got the hole in it, right? Scott! 
It's a holy church. He was a holy man. That's why he was shoving in every fucking hole he could find. Yes. Uh, well, on that note, let's read some of his words. It's first movie. Oh, I love that. We gotta make that into a ringtone. Put put that on the on the to do list. The book of boredom soundboard. <laughs> Sounds like a word that a kid would say as they're going down a bad water slide or something. It's wet and wild, but not in the way you want it to be. <laughs> no, that's right. Fucking hell, wet and wild. For eleven. Let's see where this takes us. Let's go. Okay, everyone, we're going to take a quick break from our show to bring you a message from our sponsors this week. Dad, I don't know how to tell you this, but I like girls. I think I'm a lesbian. Oh, honey, that's okay. We still love you and God still loves you anyway. But you're not going to heaven. The important lessons in life are learned at home from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. First Nephi, chapter 11. For it came to pass... After I had desired to know the things that my father had seen, and believing that the Lord was able to make them known unto me, as I sat pondering in mine heart, I was caught away in the spirit of the Lord, yea, into an exceedingly high mountain, oh, he was exceedingly high, all right, which I never had before seen, and upon which I never had before set my foot. So he's never been there before. Okay. Well, that's big fucking news. Right. <laughs> Brent, have you ever been somewhere where oh. you'd never been before while on ecstasy? Never. Never in my life. What a fucking surprise. This cunt went somewhere he's never been before. Wow. Verse 2. And the Spirit said unto me, Behold, what desirest thou? Oh, baby. And I said, I desire to behold things which my father saw. <laughs> my God. He could have asked for anything. That's like rubbing the... Um... The genie lamp, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, why does he need to see it? His dad's already told him about it and he doesn't doubt his dad's story. Again, it's just laziness by Joseph Smith. He's like, okay, I can fill another couple of pages just by saying the exact same thing all over again. Let's fluff it out. Brent, did you find this really boring when you were um, studying it in the church? Oh, not when I was an investigator, but when I was in the church, yeah, like I used to fall asleep like most other people do, yeah. It's very hard to stay awake during assessment meeting and conferences and that sort of stuff. Especially when someone else is reading it. If you've got like this super streak of commitment on a fucking Tuesday night and you're like, hey, I'm going to read the scriptures, I'm feeling good about it, it's different. But when you're listening to someone else read it and you don't want to fucking hear about it, all you're thinking about is getting home and going to bed, you're just like... <laughs> It depends on the situation. Welcome to seminary. <laughs> you never had to do that. I'm so glad I never had to go. Early in the morning, still half asleep, listening to other people read the scriptures. It was so fucking tiring. Yeah. Let's find the most boring thing that we can do for teenagers right now to help them be good, balanced human beings. Oh, I know. Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, let's get them up at five in the morning to read the <laughs> fucking scriptures. That's brilliant. Alrighty. There's nothing like burning in hell to motivate you to get out of bed in the morning. Yes, yes. No matter which way you look at it, yeah, this chapter here, we've got Joseph Smith either repeating himself to fill in time, or once again, Nephi's arm is just tick, 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 tick. Let's say the whole thing twice. That guy's biceps, man. He was ripped. Joseph Smith just didn't know how to tell a good story. He thought he was, which is why he kept saying the same thing twice. Oh, don't forget, it's a symptom of when you're talking shit when you're drunk, you repeat yourself a lot, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Man, we are really starting to understand the mindset of this guy. We've only just started. <laughs> the evil guy in the Matrix, Mr. Smith. Ah! Oh. 
How many times has The Matrix been mentioned on this podcast? It's an unsettlingly high number of times. It is just such a good metaphor, though. Like, Mormons are like the ones that are plugged into The Matrix. And then you've got people either trying to unplug them or, as the classic Morpheus line goes, some of them are so dependent on the system that you could just never unplug them because they couldn't handle it. That's what it's like. Verse 4. And spirit said unto me, Believest thou that thy father saw the tree of which he hath spoken? And I said, Yea, thou knowest that I believe all the words of my father. Jesus Christ. And when I had spoken these words, the spirit cried with a loud voice, saying, Hosanna to the Lord, the most high God, for he is God over all the earth, yea, even above all. And blessed art thou, Nephi, because thou believest in the Son of the most high God. Semicolon. Wherefore thou shalt behold the things which thou hast desired. What the fuck was the purpose of those last three verses? I've got no idea. I have no idea either. It's just waffling. He's still going for a fucking walk. He went for a walk and then he's asked the angels for the same thing twice and the angels given him the same answer twice. It really is like when you're at school and you have a thousand word essay and you've only written like 800 so you go back and you know. Yeah, fluff it out. This book has got more waffle in it than a fucking frozen oil at the super before we translated this we could do the entire book as a pamphlet a pamphlet would have done a fucking pamphlet yeah <laughs> i agree fuck yes i almost want to write my own version as we're doing this i've considered doing oh it. my god that would be so good we could do the what do you call it Exp- what is it expurgated or expedited or something where you fucking like condense it cliff notes <laughs> We could call them the hat notes. Put that on the list. We'll work on that. (laughs) Put it on the list. Hat (laughs) notes. Thanks, Brent. You're an idea generator, aren't you? And behold, this thing shall be given unto thee for a sign. After thou hast beheld the tree which bore the fruit which thy father tasted, God, that sounds strange, thou shalt also behold a man descending out of heaven, and him shall ye witness. And after ye have witnessed him, ye shall bear record that it is the Son of God. Okay, why would he know? He's giving him spoilers, basically. He's telling you what he's going to do, now go and do it. (laughs) You don't have to think at all. Which is completely the point. The whole fucking thing is built on that. Don't think. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's like with the missionaries, though. They're like, yeah, if you read the scriptures and pray, this is what you will experience. And then you experience it and you're like, oh, wow. It's exactly what they said was going to happen. And it came to pass that the Spirit said unto me, Look! And I looked and beheld a tree. Oh my God, they keep going on about this fucking tree. How many chapters have we had now talking about this goddamn tree? Well, get used to it. There's a bit more to come. It's very phallic, isn't it? Very Joseph Smith. And it was like unto the tree which my father had seen, and the beauty thereof was far beyond, yea, exceeding of all beauty, and the whiteness thereof did exceed the whiteness of the driven snow. (laughs) See, now he's tripping balls, right? I get it now. He is actually fucked up. He's off chops. 
right? Again with the white. Glowing white tree. Yeah, yeah. He's found some magic shrooms or something on his bush wall. White trees don't exist. White fruit, maybe? There's never been a white tree. Again, it, it's this whole, if it's white, it has to be good. Everything Mormonism has to be white. <laughs> Mormonism is exceedingly white, though, isn't it? That's kind of the deal. This is the whitest shit ever. It is very goddamn white. White as snow. White as driven. And it came to pass after I had seen the tree. Oh, they're still on the fucking tree. I said unto the spirit, I behold, thou hast shown unto me the tree, which is precious above all. So now the tree is precious above all. And he said unto me, what desirest thou? It's like you already fucking asked me that. And I said unto him to know the interpretation thereof. For I spoke unto him as a man. Speaker, is that because you are a man, Nephi? For I beheld that he was in the form of a man. Yet, nevertheless, I knew that it was the spirit of the Lord semicolon and he spake unto me as a man speaketh with another so he had a chat he had a chat ah, why put that verse in because he's been referring to this angel or whatever as a man already anyway yeah it's not like he was using gender neutral terms before this verse <laughs> yeah angels don't have gender yo <laughs> yeah yeah so it's like we know he was a man you've already referred to him as him so you know Carry on. Verse 12, if anyone's following at home, I know you're not, and that's good. And it came to pass that he said unto me, Look! And I, hang on, have I already read that? No. Or is he just repeating himself? Of course he's repeating himself. It's the Book of Mormon. He's repeating himself! That's so blatant. Look! And I looked as if to look upon him. What the fuck does that mean? I looked as if to look upon him. What? <laughs> And I saw him not, for he had gone from before my presence. Oh, the misdirect. Just a puff of smoke. It's like a magic trick. Oh, he was puffing something. Yeah. <laughs> now you see me, now you know. <laughs> and it came to pass that I looked and beheld the great city of Jerusalem and also other cities. Oh, okay. And I beheld the city of Nazareth. Oh, of course you did. And in the city of Nazareth, I beheld a virgin. Ah, oh, you're shitting me. And she was exceedingly fair and white. Uh, she wasn't. She was Middle Eastern. <laughs> yes. Fair and white. Yeah, fair and yes. white. Yeah, yeah. A Nazarene virgin who's fair and white. <laughs> so she was an albino Lebanese. <laughs> yeah, mate. Yeah. Or... Or, you know, a fucking white Russian. I don't know. One of the great mysteries is how did all of the Bible characters grow up in the Middle East as white? Maybe maybe some of the tree dust fell on her. Oh. Oh, that's it. Possibly. That's it. She was eating some of the shrooms <laughs> from the same tree. And it came to pass that I saw the heavens open, semicolon, and an angel came down and stood before me. Oh, I fucking love this bit. <laughs> <laughs> is this the same angel now or a different angel? Dude, Nephi is the shit, right? He's got angels all over his ass. The other angels disappeared, like in the puff of smoke. I want to find out if it's a different angel and whether he has to point out again that it's a boy angel. <laughs> okay. And it came to pass... That I saw the heavens open, and an angel came down and stood before me, and he said unto me, Nephi, what beholdest thou? Um, an angel. And I said unto him, A virgin, most beautiful and fair above all other virgins. And he said unto me, Remember how we were talking earlier 
about scripture mastery. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and how when we we're in seminary, you had the scriptures that we like to memorize and requote. Oh yeah, like the short ones. Yeah, yeah, that was another one of mine. Most firm, beautiful of all other virgins. Oh, I'm sure that was on your mind a lot. Yeah, Paul. horny teenager. I was thinking about those virgins quite a lot. Oh. There's websites for that shit now. Yeah, I hear that. There wasn't back then, but well, there was, but you just probably didn't have access. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the internet is a wonderful thing. <laughs> and. And he said unto me, Knowest thou the condescension of God? Oh, he's condescending, all right. And I said unto him, I know that he loveth his children. Nevertheless, I do not know the meaning of all things. And he said unto me, Behold, the virgin whom thou seest is the mother of the Son of God, after the manner of the flesh. And it came to pass that I beheld that she was carried away in the Spirit. And after she had been carried away in the Spirit, for the space of a time, the angel spake unto me, saying, <laughs> Look again! <laughs> I need to get a new sound effect for look because this is just ridiculous. Uh, add that to the list. There's got to be a good sound bite out there somewhere. And I looked and beheld the virgin again, bearing a child in her arms. And the angel said unto me, Behold, the Lamb of God, yea, even the Son of the Eternal. Such weird words to use for things, hey. The Eternal Father, that is, knowest thou the meaning of the tree which thy father saw? And I answered him, saying, Yea, it is the love of God, which sheddeth itself abroad in the hearts of the children of men, semicolon. Wherefore, it is the most desirable above all things. Oh, God is just so loving, isn't he? Except it? when he's being condescending, don't forget. Condescending and loving makes perfect sense. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I still reckon he's bipolar or something personally, but yeah. I love you, but I will kill you. I think he's God and Satan all in the one entity. That's an interesting thought. That is duality right there. Hmm. Ooh. Okay, you're going to have to start your own religion now, Patience. You've just come up with a whole new form of the Godhead. Oh, fuck no. I only want to make fun of religion. But, but yours is the one and only true religion. Yeah. No. <laughs> you can make fun of the others, but we now need to come unto the Church of Patience. And he spake unto me, saying, Yea, and the most joyous to the soul. Okay. And after he had said these words, he said unto me, Look! And I looked, and I beheld the Son of God going forth among the children of men, semen Semicolon. I said it the way Mark does, and I've just been editing that episode, and he says semen colon. <laughs> I should just start saying that as a foreshadowing, a foreshadowing of Mark. Of God going forth among the children of men, and I saw many fall down at his feet and worship him. And it came to pass that I beheld that the rod of iron which my father had seen was the word of God which led to the fountain of living waters. Oh, that's what they're calling oh. it. <laughs> <laughs> We're back to the fountain there. We were talking about this like how many weeks ago? There's so much porn in those five lines right there. I know, right? Rod of iron. <laughs> and his father had seen it. Yes, bursting borders, holding rods. It awkward. Oh, dear. These poor Mormon men that aren't supposed to <laughs> feel anything. Except when you get married, right? <laughs> then, yeah, yeah. Tell us more about this squirting fountain, Patience. Fountain of living waters or to the tree of life. Which waters are a representation of the love of God. And I also beheld that the tree of life was a representation of the love of God. Okay, I just feel like that. He's got a sentence with, oh, we know what he does. Well, don't try to make sense of it. Yeah, it's just stupid. <laughs> 
And the angel said unto me again, Look, and behold, the condescension of God! Exclamation point. And I looked and beheld the Redeemer of the world, of whom my father had spoken. And I also beheld the prophet, who should prepare the way before him. And the Lamb of God went forth and was baptized of him. And after he was baptized, I beheld the heavens open, and the Holy Ghost came down out of heaven and abided upon him in the form of a dove. Wow, that wasn't very creative, Smitty. You could have at least added something to that classic story from any of the Gospels. He's ripping it off from James, but he's making it sound interesting because apparently this happened before Jesus happened. So that's how he's getting away with it. He's like, look at these things that Nephi was prophesying hundreds of years earlier. It's like that no, Joseph just had the Bible there, right there next to him and he's like yeah let's, let's just cut and paste he's very good at conserving creativity yeah. <laughs> in other words he fluffs it out and i beheld that he went forth ministering unto the people in power and great glory and the multitudes were gathered together to hear him and i beheld that they cast him out from among them oh he's fucking boring that's why <laughs> poor jesus and i also beheld 12 others following him and it came to pass that they were carried away in the spirit from before my face and i saw them not yes that's what happens Oh, God. He's like, I saw them, and then all of a sudden they weren't there. Thanks for that, Neffy. I remember reading these scriptures, like, sometimes, you know, just when I was trying to be a good Mormon and read my scriptures, and this just, like... <laughs> I was telling myself stories to make myself think there was some value in this. Yeah, you read into it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's right. And I, I'm looking at it now and I'm like, wow, okay. Yeah. Lots of repetition and nonsense. I mean, the Bible's pretty bad like that too, but Smitty's worse. Yeah, Smitty's worse. Yeah, yeah, Smitty took it to a whole new level. The Bible has had a lot more authors to massage the stories to be a little bit, well, they're not that great, but they're a bit better. At least some modern churches, they use modern language. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Come on. Our language has changed. <laughs> we, we discussed that Joseph Smith translated into ye olde English for some reason. The way it was explained to me, it was translated in the way that the King James Version was written. So they used the same language, basically. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Almost as if it was plagiarized. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Why not? Hey, hey, why do we have to write our own complete book? No, it's okay, dude. We've got this other one here that we can fucking use. And it's public domain. Public domain, that's right. Exactly. I remember being told that, you know, the King James language is the language that God talks and it's how we will all talk when we go to heaven. Bullshit. Yes, but yeah, that's what I was always told. Just straight up copying the Bible at the moment. But we all ate this up and were like, oh, man, Nephi was so amazing. He, he had these prophecies hundreds of years earlier. And oh, I know. Yeah. Does Mormonism have newer translations, like nope. the message for nope. other Christians? Hey, nope. easy there, sister. Easy. <laughs> Fucking hell. Watch hey, it. I'm seeing dollar signs here. Oh, now you put that on the list. I should bring this to the masses. There you go. <laughs> put it on the list. That's something that the Mormons use to try to show that they're true and correct because their book hasn't been tampered with. Yeah, it's horseshit. The newer English versions of the Bible changes the meaning and the context according to them. The more they use that as an excuse to explain its importance is the least it, it carries relevance. Yeah, exactly. Right, the, the more they hold on to this horseshit, it's just... Digging their heels. In. Especially when you said that they change parts of it every now and then anyway, just little bits here and there. That's what 
world that I tell you is they have changed a few things here and there. But it's all divine revelation, Sister Patience. Oh, that's right. Oh, well, that's all right then, Brother Brent. Because the word of God is continuous and unchanging. Yeah. All right, I think we're nearly done. Let's power through this horse shit. And it came to pass that the angel spake unto me again, saying, Look! And I looked, and I beheld the heavens open again, and I saw angels descending upon the children of men, and they did minister unto them. Verse 31. And he spake unto me again, saying, Look! And I looked, and I beheld the Lamb of God going forth among the children of men, and I beheld multitudes of people who were sick, and who were afflicted with all manner of diseases, and with devils and unclean spirits. And the angel spake, and showed all these things unto me, and they were healed by the power of the Lamb from the oven. No, the Lamb of God. And the devils and the unclean spirits were cast out. This is pretty dry. I got nothing. I wanted to think of something funny to say to that verse. Me too. I just, all I'm thinking of is lamb kebab, garlic, lemon juice. All I'm thinking is Hell's Kitchen. Where's yeah, Gordon Ramsay? Mm. Such a sexy man. Stay focused. Stay on point, patient. <laughs> and it came to pass that the angel spake unto me again, saying, <laughs> And I looked and beheld the Lamb of God, and he was taken by the people. Yea, son of the everlasting God was judged of the world, and I saw and bear record. Judged of the world. Oh, like taking on the sins of the world? Is that what he's trying to get at? I don't know. No, like the world judged him. That's why he was cast out, crucified. It wasn't the world. It was a small group of Jewish people. It was just a mob. Yeah. A nasty mob. Okay, whatever, whatever. Come on, Nephi. And I, Nephi, saw that he was lifted up upon the cross and slain for the sins of the world. I will just make that big statement now and not even explain it because any non-Christian who hasn't heard this before, that would make no sense to them at all. For the sins of the world. What the fuck does that mean? It, it's stupid. God couldn't just forgive us. He had to, like, have his son brutally murdered. He had to make it more complicated to yeah. be more condescending. There you go. It's all making sense now. Aren't you glad that you're reading scriptures with us today, Brent? Because I am so happy that I am able to read my scriptures on a Sunday night. Yeah. It's a holy day after all. It's going to set you off for the entire week. Yep. Yeah. Don't worry. All the looking and the lambing yeah. and the condescending. And holy Sabbath day. All the fucking, the looking. It's just all the looking. All the looking. Keep looking. You can't look enough in your life. And if you get bored of the looking, there's always those interesting websites with very beautiful people in them that you can look at too. All right. So, and after he was slain, I saw the multitudes of the earth that they were gathered together to fight against the apostles of the Lamb because you all know what the word apostle means. Mm -hmm. And thus were the twelve called by the angel of the Lord. And the multitude of the earth was gathered together, and I beheld that they were in a large, spacious building, like unto the building which my father saw. Yeah, that old chestnut, that was such a weird part of that vision. Back again to the last <laughs> Last concocted story by Smitty. <laughs> and the angel of the Lord spake unto me again, saying, Behold, the world and the wisdom thereof, semicolon, yea, Behold, the house of Israel hath gathered together to fight against the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And behold, I shall call the fight Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to turn the Book of Mormon into a competitive cooking show. I reckon we should do our own translation. All I know is I want a lamb kebab right now and the kebab shop is closed. <laughs> 
Yeah, I know, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, with garlic tahini sauce. We could crowdsource the translation. But like you said before, we'd probably turn this into a six-page pamphlet, <laughs> the whole thing. Like for this first year, pretty much all we can say is refer John chapter 6 and then move on. We'll call it the referential version where it just <laughs> references where he took yeah. everything from. Love it. Perfect. All yeah, right. Yeah. Come on, let's, we're nearly there. We've nearly made it. And it came to pass that I saw and bear record, like unto the building which my father saw, full stop. Oh, there's actually a full stop in the middle of a verse. Oh, my God. That's amazing. It's hard to tell whether you are repeating or not because... I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> Every verse is the same anyway. There you go. Yep. And it came to pass that I saw and bear record and the great and spacious building was the pride of the world. <laughs> of course, must have been a mansion. And it fell. And the fall thereof was exceedingly great, and the angel of the Lord spake unto me again, saying, Thus shall be the destruction of all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people that shall fight against the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And well done, Sister Patience. Well done. You're most welcome, Brother Brent. How are you feeling tonight after our scripture reading, Brent? Are you being edified by the Spirit after hearing that? Oh, Totally edified, yeah. Right. He seemed so fucking bored, to be honest. Gobsmacked at how boring it is. That's an appropriate response, by the way. I'm trying to find stuff in there that we can joke about. <laughs> what makes it worse for me this evening, every other week we've done this so far, I have had a few drinks. It did seem a lot more fun. Tonight I've just had water, so I'm doing this shit totally sober. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I've definitely got to drink again next week because I can't get through it. I think there's a sweet spot of alcohol that if you just... Get the right amount, yeah. miracles start happening. Uh, I, I think so, but yeah, definitely can't handle this shit sober. I love all the chit chat and everything else, but the scriptures are the important part of what we're doing. So <laughs> it's the meat, Brent. It's the meat of the word. The lamb meat. <laughs> Every other chapter we've read so far, I've been able to find some really good things to kind of make fun of and make it entertaining. Tonight's chapter, there was nothing. <laughs> it was just that damn boring, but quite possibly the most boring chapter we've read so far. You know what I should do? I should just edit just the verse and then speed it up like twice. <laughs> <laughs> At least our giggles in the background will sound funny. Do the whole thing in chipmunk voices. Wow, look at that. And then so tell me a bit about how you guys know each other. Like, you guys went to school together, didn't you? We went to high school together. So you went to Mitchy Patients, did you? Yeah, I went to Mitchy, that's right. Yeah, I went there till grade 10 and then I went over to the south side. Okay, wow. It's not the most amazing school, is it? I, 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 it is, it is, because it's consistently ranked bottom three in Queensland over and over and over again. Jeez. So, you know, they're consistent. Well, I had a good time, though. Brother Paul helped me enjoy my days there yeah, with yeah. lots of laughter. Pretty much just goofed off the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Patience, where are you now? Like, you in Brisbane or whereabouts are you? I am. I actually live pretty close to the Mormon Temple. Oh, well, it's great that you can see the angel Moroni blowing his own trumpet. Oh, so phallic. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> He does blow and blow hard. <laughs> and I heard on the last episode you were talking about the walk through the temple and at the time the temple was about to open, I'd turned apostate. Yeah, I went through there and, um, yeah, yeah, it was interesting. Did you make little snickers and sort of joke about it afterwards and stuff? Yeah, probably. Were you sort of enough out of it to be able to do that? Probably still had a little bit of guilt. I ran this teetering philosophical life for about 
three years, it was torturous. What has struck me as I hear people's getting out stories is that time and time again, it's not something that's, you're out one moment and you're in. You stop going to church, it still takes time and it's often painful. In ways it is, yes. Deprogramming from it takes a long time. It takes a long time. I was completely bought in. I'm actually really chuffed that I can get an opportunity to talk about, you know, my journey in the church and everything. And this whole podcast actually impacted me more than I realized. Not in like on the daily, but it's just on my mind. It's made me reflect again on my whole journey through the church. And it's quite amazing how long lasting the effect is when you've been in something like that. And the disassembly and remapping of things, like I thought I was done and dusted with a few things, but maybe not so. It's bizarre. And I've been reading a little bit about cults recently and people that leave cults. And I'm thinking, fucking hell, like, was I really that indoctrinated with this bullshit? Yes. Yes, you were. <laughs> I think I was. I'm on the tail end of it, but that tail is whipping around a little bit and it's like, fuck, I had no idea. Spoken about your dad feeling guilt and stuff because he was in a leadership role. Well, I was in a leadership role. I'm kind of feeling some similar feelings, not not probably to the same degree, but I'm just like, fucking hell. Like, it was just, I was so caught up in it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Because you've probably been out now for longer than you were in, uh, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. I was in for about 10 years and I've been out for about 18. I'm really thankful that you had me on. I've had a lot of fun. All right. Well, thank you very much, Brother Brent, for being on this Sausage Fest with us this evening. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Thank you, Brother Paul. Thank you, Sister Patience. Sister Patience, we will now remove our sausages and, and leave you in peace until next week. Get these decks out of my chat room. <laughs> there you go. Enjoy. Thank you. I will now return to my true love, Gordon Ramsay. As always, thank you for tuning in and listening. Follow us on Facebook and Patreon. Give us a like and a review and a share. Help spread the word. I'm asking you to crosswise for us. Let everybody know what a great show this is. And until next week, everybody, in the name of all that is holy, amen. <laughs>